Hey folks, it is a rainy, miserable day here in Toronto as I'm getting ready to put this out. Kind of stinks. You know, fall is rolling in, everything's getting glum and gloomy and all that jazz, let alone the state of the world. Um, but you know what doesn't stink? All those folks who support the Patreon. Uh, it really lifts me up, keeps me inspired, keeps me engaged, and helps me sustain the commitments to accessibility, to interviewing great guests, and all of that kind of stuff. So if you've been listening for a while and you have not checked out the Patreon or you've been thinking about the Patreon, uh, consider going and checking that out now. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp, or there'll be a link in the show notes and, uh, you know, jump in, uh, at every level people get early access to the podcast, uh, at the $5 level, people get access to a bonus episode, which for this one is almost 18 minutes of me and Sasha sharing our tips for doing shadow work, uh, and practical stuff around that. Uh, at the $10 level, that means that you get access to all that jazz as well as to a bonus group and a bunch of extra teaching stuff that I'm putting out there, uh, including what's coming up end of this year, early next year, which will be an ongoing course on uh, learning magic and so on. Uh, all that stuff gets included at the $10 level, right? So um, go check it out. Think about supporting it. I would appreciate it. Anyways, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Night Podcast. I am here today with Sasha Graham. And, you know, I met Sasha at uh, Reader Studio a number of years ago, um, where they were talking about shadow work. And, you know, recently, this summer, they came out with a deck called the Dark Woods Tarot, which digs right into that shadow stuff. And, you know, for people who've spent time around me, you know that that really owning both sides of that stuff is important, I think, to every spiritual journey. So I wanted to kind of have Sasha on here to, uh, you know, talk shadow stuff and talk dealing with those things, you know, and especially at a time when, uh, you know, COVID and, uh, you know, racial issues and, and justice issues are, you know, the shadow issues of our, our cultures are really being brought to the foreground as well. It feels like a, an important conversation, an important thing to keep paying attention to. So, but maybe, maybe everybody doesn't know who you are, Sasha. So why don't you give us a, a quick introduction? Hi. Uh, yeah. Well, first off, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. So my name's Sasha Graham. I'm a tarot author and a deck creator and a teacher. I've written, I think, eight tarot books um, for Llewellyn and Los Garabeo. And I contribute to Llewellyn's Magical Almanacs, and, uh, which is date books. And I've created two tarot decks, both of them kind of steeped in spooky darkness, because I love that vibe. Um, the Tarot of the Haunted House for Los Garabeo and the Darkwood Tarot, which has just come out a couple months ago with Llewellyn. Mm. So tell me this, because you are a very positive seeming, very upbeat, right? Very energetic and outgoing kind of person. What's with all the darkness? What's with the, the appeal of that for you? Or what do you get from that? Uh, I am 
a person who I the darkest parts of anything in my life that I've ever experienced, the most challenging things in my life that I've ever experienced has always paid itself back on the light side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a very kind of my, I think my childhood, to be honest with you, felt very terrifying. I lived I'm in wild rural places. I was on mountains and um, plains. Like we moved around. The, the world always felt very supernatural and very scary. And it was always by kind of going in and embracing the things and figuring out all of the dark stuff helped me find the light that much better, if that makes any sense. So, and especially I think like as a teenager, when there were certain things that I couldn't process that were happening in my life, it was easier for me to go to horror and Stephen King and like, like I happened to come of age when um, vampires and Anne Rice became a thing and the goth uh, movement first came out. So I, to me, grinding yourself against the darkness, grinding yourself against the stuff that terrifies you makes you stronger and, and, and ultimately makes you more whole. And then like, as I transitioned into my work as a tarotist and as a writer and as like, I don't know, a spiritual creature, whatever you want to call it, I realized how, how profound and how the further you go into the, like, like we're all here to evolve, right? Like we're here to, as a tarotist, as an artist, as a writer, you're, you're, you're here to move forward and to see further than you've seen the day before. The only way you can bring the light of consciousness to whatever it is that you do is by exploring the things you don't understand or you don't know. Now, oftentimes those things are scary. Like if you're doing between world work and you're encountering an energy that you're not familiar with, of course that's terrifying because you don't recognize it. But interestingly, that, that happening spiritually or, or, um, in your imagination is the same thing that happens to us when we walk down the street and see something we don't recognize or a person that we don't recognize because something is not comfortable to us. We call that thing the other, right? And we're mm-hmm. afraid of it. And that's why the shadow work that you perform for yourself um, is applicable on every single level of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about um, how you're relating inside to yourself, but also how you're relating to the external world and how what I call the trick of the material world, which is the in the tarot deck would be pentacles, um, how you really get fooled by the way that something looks rather than paying attention to the energy of what it actually is underneath. And when you lo- you're looking at things energetically, Oh my God, I'm really running on here. But <laughs> when you look at when you're looking at things energetically, it's it's a lot simpler, I think, than things look like on the surface. So mm. I, yeah. All right. I'm gonna just stop talking now. <laughs> right. No, there's so many interesting things to touch on in there. So the first one I want to ask you about though, I made a list here so we can we can make sure stuff doesn't get missed. Yeah. Um the first thing that I that I want to say is so you know, 
I mean, so I spent a lot of time in the wilderness. My, I mean, wilderness. I grew up. I grew up sort of north of Toronto in a town that I think it had about eight thousand people living there when I lived there. But I lived on the edge of town, and there was nothing but farms and forest between us and the next town. You know, maybe a fifteen-minute drive over, or a very long, long walk or bike ride. Right. You know, and so I spent a lot of time in the woods. And pretty deep in the woods, you know, and getting lost in the woods with friends and stuff like that, or by myself. And I spent a lot of time um, cycling the rural roads, you know, like I would just hop on my bike and ride for hours and be like, huh, you know, and again, pre, pre GPS, right. You know, pre whatever, like, like actually lost being like, huh, I think if I turn right here, I'm going to get back to my city my town but if not then i'm gonna hit this other town and then i'm gonna have a really long bike ride home after that i'm already really tired you know (laughs) and i'm curious you know because for me as i continue to grow and continue to live my life spiritually my connection to the land to wilderness to sort of spirits from places uh you know to plants and animals and all those kinds of things that has its root in that time, um, you know, continues to flourish, right? And I'm curious because I think that in nature, there's no avoiding the shadow, right? You know, nature doesn't avoid it at all. It's all, it's all kind of unified, right? You know, like nature is what it is and that's, that's it, right? And we sometimes try and glorify it and be like, oh, you know, all these things, you know, are so perfect and what, but it's like, well, nature, nature is astounding. Nature is magical and powerful and nature is, is intense and scary. It's all there, right? So I'm curious what role some of your experiences of being in, you know, in the wilderness or in, in nature and so on, you know, impacted on your, your journey in this. Like, was there a moment where you were out there and you were scared, scared of stuff? Was there a moment where you had a spiritual encounter, you know, in the woods or wherever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and this is, again, one of those things where you asked me in the beginning, you know, why are, why are you, why do you love the darkness? Um, one of the things that used to terrify me the most was I lived on the side of a mountain in Vermont. We had like a mile long driveway. I was in fourth grade and I would have to walk from the school bus up the, up the, the driveway and into the empty house and hang out for like two hours by myself Mm. before anyone got home. And so it was like, you know, I would leave the din of the school bus. And the second I stepped off that school bus, man, it got quiet. And I, I felt, and the gift of being a young child and of being scared, like, cause there's a difference between like playing well, whether you're playing or whether you're kind of nervous and therefore kind of on alert, the gift of being very young and being in those situations is that you're not always necessarily sure what you're looking at. Mm. Um, when you encounter things, I think that you encounter them maybe in their truer form than what people have, you know, because once you're told this is a duck that is a red robin. You kind of place it in a box in the mm. way. But when you're young and in nature, um, uh, so I believe that, and I believe that being nervous and being scared, especially those walks up that driveway, um, 
because I was in kind of a heightened state of alert, I also didn't, I like was certain I was going to get murdered or there was a troll under the bridge who was going to devour me up. Um, I really paid attention, Mm. like super uber attention. And with that, yeah, I, I, I saw things and I experienced things on um, a much more profound level, probably than I could even, I probably couldn't even express it in words. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's something that I'm so grateful for because as I've grown older and moved deeper into the work that I do, I understand that now and I'm able to see things in that way. Or I I know when I'm encountering something in what I would call um, a between worlds experience where I'm almost in two places at the same time and looking through the veneer of mm-hmm. the material world into the energy that's underneath. So again, I think it's that full circle thing when you have a childhood rooted in nature and go outside and play, um, you're immediately interfacing um, with all of this energy mm-hmm. that um, that in and of itself could be your teacher. You'd never have to pick up a tarot book or a witchcraft book or a shaman sure. book if you were just paying attention outside in the woods. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm, so I'm grateful. Like, so that's an example of why I'm grateful for something that was spooky. Yeah. That was my greatest teacher as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's something about, I think there's something about fear that is, that is really helpful sometimes, uh, like not always, I, you know what I mean? But like, I, yeah. I remember, I remember the first time I summoned a goetic demon to ask it to do something, to, to demand it do something for me, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was one of the first evocations that I did. And a friend of mine and I had spent a long time, uh, you know, we, we got this 10 by 10 foot canvas and painted our magic circle on it by hand. And we, we did all sorts of stuff around setting that up, right? And, and I remember the feeling as I started that ceremony and the way in which it heightened all of my other senses and kind of opened me up. And, you know, it wasn't that I hadn't been meditating and scrying and, you know, reading cards. I've been doing a lot of stuff. But, but something about that, the tension around that and sort of that taking it really seriously, you know. And I think that whether it's a deliberate experience or whether it's um, – you know, uh, a sort of situational experience, right? Like I remember being, we were at a friend's wedding somewhere north of the city and we were walking back, me and my co-parent and the and the two kids, one of whom was like an infant at the time. And we were walking back from where the post-wedding dancing was happening around a fire with a bunch of drums and stuff like that, back to the cabin where we were sleeping. And the road was pitch black and we didn't have a flashlight and the only light that there was was this little tiny gap above us where you could see a few stars through the through the trees right and and i was just like i'm like oh this is fine i know this you know i know this this i know i mean i don't know that place but i i mean i know the forest i know being here in the dark i know whatever and i was just like it's fine just put your hand on me. I'll just walk us back, you know? And I just walked us back following that faintest of trails, you know? I mean, the road itself was, was big enough to drive a car on. So it wasn't like I was walking through the woods on a tiny goat track on a mountain with the kids, but you know, but it, but it was dark. Right. 
And, and, you know, and that sense of, for me in that moment of connection to all of that stuff around me made it really easy to be there. Mm -hmm. But I think that in the absence of that, that is a terrifying experience, right? Mm -hmm. But, and, and I think that, I think again, it's kind of the trick in the way that we address what's happening, like fear. So many of the same things that happen to us physically when we're freaked out and scared are also the same thing that happens to us when we're intensely sexually aroused, right? Um, Your face flushes, you get goosebumps on your skin, you're like really paying attention to everything that's going on. What happens in those moments when... um, you're on such kind of high alert, you're, you're broken open, like in, in the sense of, of, of the erotic, you're opening yourself up to someone. And, you know, if everything's in your favor, you're about to have an incredibly transcendent experience with someone. Um, fear, and I think the great thing about horror, really good horror movies, for example, or a great like horror novel, is that also opens you up to and shows you something new. It shows you what's possible. And it doesn't necessarily always feel good, which is, you know, I always talk about the Three of Swords being the heart opening card, you know, to look at an incredible natural landscape um, can be kind of as painfully painful. Beauty can be as painful as, as um, grief. You know, and all of it, it's breaking you open. It's taking you out of where you were yesterday and it's moving you further into a deeper experience of being a human being and therefore um, understanding the world in a more profound way, which is why I think we're all here and why we do this work. I love the notion of uh, the sublime, you know, from, from like 19th century landscape and then kind of further into modernism and other things, right? This idea that we can have these experiences of something that is so vast and overwhelming that it allows us to understand our place in the universe and our relationship to source the creator, or as they would have said to God, because it is, it is that um, complete existential understanding of our place in relationship to everything else. Right. And that sense of, uh, you know, both our smallness and our bigness in relationship to things. I used to go up to uh, a friend of mine had this land that backed onto, um, I don't know, 50,000 hectares. I don't know what that is in, in, in American, but it's huge. It's unbelievably (laughs) huge. Right. And the land was um, logged like a hundred and hundred years ago. And then has been untouched ever since. Right. And other than a few hunter shacks and stuff, there's nothing there. And I used to go um, hike in there and find a high spot because there's these sort of like rolling Canadian shield rocky surfaces that on the top of them, there's just nothing there because they're just bare rock, right? And I would find a nice one and I would camp there for a couple of days by myself. And at night, I would do ceremonies to the sky goddess, right? You know, mm-hmm. and you're there in this, you know, vast wilderness, you know, and I'm like, you know, three, four hours walk through the woods from anybody else probably. And, you know, you're on this high point and you're away from all the cities. Right. So it's just this vast expanse of starriness. Right. And that sense of uh, being lost in relationship to it, being 
consumed by the bigness, you know, and then connected to it and then returned back to myself is such a, a profound and healing experience, right? And also, I, when I'm out in the woods by myself, I, what is always surprising to me is the sense that I'm definitely not out there alone. And I'm not talking about like tree energy or field energy. I'm, I am talking about something um, much more beguiling and I would not even dare to kind of try and even define it because again, I think it's something that, um, that what happens to you when you are truly alone without other people in, um, in the wild is, um, yeah, I guess it's like the hermit and tarot. You have to be out there to experience it yourself because I think it's the closest, one of the closest comfortable ways that you can start to understand how, you interface with the world around you. And I, I think it's an exquisite and always surprising and amazing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's amazing. Oh, now I want to go hiking. Right? <laughs> I think yeah. the weekend's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just got back from uh, a week camping, not particularly remotely, but a week camping with my kids. And they're like, can we go again? And I'm like, yeah, we'll go again. We can go in October. You know, we'll... Yeah. We'll go, maybe we'll go somewhere just slightly further that's maybe going to be a little, little wilder, you know? Yeah. Especially because in October, we're not going to be swimming, you know, or not likely to be swimming, you know, it's going to be cold up here and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. So you, one of the things I think is very interesting about you as well is that you have this background in, in acting, right? And you have this piece that's attached to, you know, what kind of, what people talk about as sort of, in my, in my mind, glamour magic, you know, from like yeah. your, what you do and how you go about it, stuff like that. Right. And so I'm curious for you, um, how do you think about, or if you ever think about this sort of idea of how you are in the world as sort of a, a deliberate expression of yourself and as sort of being attached to that wholeness or that magic or those kinds of ideas. I love that you just said glamour magic. That makes me so, that makes me so happy. So your question is how, I'm sorry, how do I? So, you know, you, um, you, how, how do you think about this yourself, right? in relationship to how you are in the world, right? How you, and like your shadow and all this stuff, like you, you're out there as a, as a a teacher and a a terrorist and, you know, and all Mm -hmm. these things. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But how do you think about how you present yourself about your persona, about your way of being in the world, especially maybe in in relationship to to your public self, or if you do at all, I don't know. Well, I mean, Look, I, from as far back as I can remember, I think there's two, two things that kind of occupied my mind in, in, in terms of what drove me to do the things that I did. Um, and that was one, in a sense, having some sort of agency or power 
Mm -hmm. um, and two, with that, um, also being authentic to who I was or am. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm constantly trying to figure out. And I think it's some, anybody who's extremely empathetic, um, like I pick up a lot of whoever I'm around. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm constantly trying to navigate, okay, is that me or is that someone mm -hmm. else? Um, I try to be the most, and I continue every day. Like I was just in bed this morning with my husband talking about, <laughs> talking about this thing, being the most authentic version of who it is that you are, right? With that whole idea of, of the things that are placed inside of you that you are, are drawn to. So in terms of like what I put out there, it's, it's who I am and mm -hmm. it's, um, like, I love that you say glamour magic. I think supernatural stuff is sexy. I think witchcraft is so sexy. I think it's powerful. Um, that's why I loved when I was an actor and I made like a million B movies. I'm looking at them right now. Next. <laughs> They're all right there. Um, I, you know, when I look back at the, at the roles that I did, I wasn't, I wasn't, the girl being um, like slashed in a wet t-shirt. I was the vampire. I was the gargoyle. I was the mafia hit woman. It was all about claiming my power because I think for so long I felt powerless. Mm -hmm. So what I do now, like as a, as a woman and like, it's funny, like the teaching just came, kind of came along with, um, writing books. Like I never set out to become a teacher at all. Mm -hmm. But then since I started publishing, people were like, Oh, will you teach a class, do this, do that. So one thing I was like, okay, all right. I mean, I'd rather be a student any day of the week. I would rather be a student um, because I'm still figuring this stuff out. And it's always felt odd to kind of be like, well, here I am the authority. Let me tell you what I know about um, the invisible world. How do I know that for someone else? Mm -hmm. I only know my, you know, my experience of it. And even like with my books, I'm always like, you know, you know more about yourself than I do. I throw my book out the window and, you know, write down what the symbol of a crown or a rainbow means to you. So as far as what I put out there, um, I mean, I'm just trying to be me mm -hmm. and I just love, I like glamour and pleasure and beauty and travel and excitement and I always felt since I was very young that um life was cinematic and it's why I love living in New York City and I love being in the mountains because it's like mm -hmm. being in a movie and I do love the movies and yeah so mm -hmm. I don't know it's just me I guess trying so, to be me. <laughs> so how did how did you because it sounds like there was a time where you didn't feel power empowered and now there's this time where you, you feel more empowered, you know, or you're, you're sort of aware of it and making a lot of choices that bring you into that place. How did that, how did that shift happen? Uh, well, the second I moved to New York City, I got a great therapist. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, got, I found myself like a good, good therapist. Yeah. Um, I always had the sense, uh, uh, how did that shift happen? I mean, I think... I think the whole, so tarot, tarot has always been my jam. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're not reading the, or if I wasn't reading the, like, first of all, when I first started as a reader, I was like, well, if I'm not following my own advice, 
you know, that mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a total fraud. So it already, I always already felt like it was like, okay, it was going to keep me on point. Um, and, and the shift into, I don't know, I don't know when it happened. I mean, I think it's been a slow and steady ascension up the, mm-hmm. the cliff into whoever is inside of me that's mm. trying to come out or trying to show itself. I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny how like, that stuff sort of sometimes is easier to see in retrospect, right? That the change is happening than it is to sort of notice in the moment, you know? And I think that, that, you know, maybe you see this with people too. Sometimes people come for readings and they want that change today. And I'm like, yeah, that would be so nice. Wouldn't it? If like I could just doop and then you would feel empowered or this or that or whatever, but it's often those accumulation of, little things or not even little things, right? Like, well, I did therapy for a while. I did this. I did that. I read my cards every day. I kept asking questions. I kept writing, you know? And it's so, and it's so, it's so true. Like it's, it is, it's never. And if you look at anyone, and and I'm so curious when people have those big moments, um, like I, 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 like my sister, for instance, she um, had, she was a heroin addict Mm -hmm. and I'm always like that day, that day of clarity mm-hmm. where you woke up and were like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. How many tiny things had to, and if you look back at any moment in your life, when you make a big decision, like, oh, I'm finally really done. Like, mm-hmm. and you might call that a major arcana moment. Um, like I'm really finished with this. How many, like it, it's always the tiny, the tiniest things that lead to the biggest kind of, I think, outward inward changes. And like tarot, in a sense, makes it so easy. When I didn't know what I was, when I didn't know what I was going to do for a career, like I was asking the tarot every day, like, what should I do? What should I do? Like, if, if there's something you want in your life, ask what that is every day. And I guarantee you within three to six months, you're going to probably sooner you'll get the answer, but it's just about kind of um, focusing yourself and realizing it's something small, just asking a question and opening yourself up mm. to the wisdom. It will come. And funny enough, my answer was like, Oh, you should be a tarot reader. Right. <laughs> and it yeah. And, and yeah. It, was, it was right. It was right. So yeah, it is so often something that would be seemingly insignificant mm. or small. That is so incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that reminds me of, um, I don't know, like maybe three, four years ago, I was feeling very log jammed about stuff. You know, I was running the store, I was doing readings, it was all going well, but it was like a lot to deal with. And, you know, I had kids and, you know, like all this, got a lot going on. Right. And, and I was, you know, reading cards and trying to figure out how to essentially how to be happier. Right. Cause I was not super happy in that moment. And and I put out the, you know, I'm like, put out the cards and I'm journaling again. And, and I found, and I wrote when I'm free, I want to blah, 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 blah. Right. And then I was like, and then I kind of stopped myself and I looked back over like my past series of, you know, readings and stuff. And almost all of them had similar language. Right. And I was like, wait a second, when I'm free. Okay. I am, I have my own store. I'm my own boss. 
I can do whatever, maybe not immediately, but like over time, I can do anything I want with any of these things. I'm, I'm in a relationship, but it's an open relationship and I'm free to date other people and do whatever I want in that regards. And, you know, and so on and so on. And it's like, I'm like, when am I, when am I going to be more free than this? Like what, what, what would that even look like? Right? Like, it would, it would look like, oh, I won the lottery and I've got $10 billion and I don't have to think about anything anymore. That would be more free. But I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually like, I already have this thing, but I am I'm putting my unhappiness onto this idea of, of lack of freedom as opposed to looking at my happiness and say, okay, what can I do to change this, right? And obviously there are, there are lots of people who are in positions where they don't have those freedoms, right? You know, it's certainly like a, a, I was in a very privileged position around this. But I think that that idea of like when we're, we're reading or journaling or whatever, keep looking back and look for those patterns and look for those words that you're like, what's the central word there? What's the central thing there? And then try and unpack that and see what's there because often there's something that can be done or there's a shift around our attention, you know? And once I just started dropping that story, I was like, oh, well, look at this. Now I'm going to do this. And now I want to do that. And, you know, like one of the things was I was like, talking to people on the phone isn't making me happy. I'm going to put in a booking system. And that's it. I'm going to stop talking to people about bookings. And I was like, oh, that's easy. Done. You know? <laughs> like, and I changed a few little things and it created a lot of movement. And then I started moving from there further and further into it, you know? So. And, and, that, and that's a funny thing. Um, in, in the, we, we nuance the stuff that we want and it makes it seem like we're swimming in this ocean of, uh, and when it's really quite simple, when I wrote 365 tarot spreads, which is a tarot spread for every day of the year, I, at, before I began, I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a limit of how many questions a human being could ask. Uh-huh. And, and, and so I sat down and I researched it and I thought up as many questions as I could. And when you take out the personal like nuances of your life, there's like really under a hundred questions that a person could ask. And again, almost to the point of what we were talking about earlier, what's underneath is really quite simple. Mm -hmm. What we do is confuse it for all of this different stuff. You know, mm-hmm. which is, which is, I find that endlessly fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh my God, this is so much easy. I, I was making it all such a big deal. But that's what, that, like what you just described, you know, um, and then realizing that you already have what you want. Like I always say, I love this about the magician card. It makes me so happy and it just gives me so much joy. He's got the four suits of tarot typically on his ma- magician table. And I always say that, you know, you already have everything you need. Mm. It's in front of you. And, and that's the funny and interesting thing about making magic and casting spells when, and I just wrote, actually, I wrote a, an article called the, um, this technique called a grief eater technique mm. uh, for one of the Llewellyn um, annuals. And it's about what happens when you don't get, when your, your witch's desires are not granted, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to recognize that what you need is right there. Perhaps you're not recognizing it, or perhaps you don't see the gift or can't appreciate that um, what you are looking for is, is staring at you in the face. And Mm -hmm. then that leads, you know, to the next magical tenant, which is, um, 
you know, know that you already have it. Like I have to say, I, a couple of years ago, I was dying to travel, like dying, but we just didn't have the money and the budget. And I have a teenage Mm -hmm. daughter. So the idea that the three of us could pick up and like go halfway around the world was very um, ridiculous. And I thought, okay, Tarot teaches me that the world repeats that underneath all of this stuff, everything is the same. So I thought, okay, I can't go traveling the world right now. So I'm going to every day for five to 10 minutes, look for the entire world in my backyard. And whether that's on a city block in the city or that's in a puddle behind this house. And I started looking and traveling. And wouldn't you know it, Andrew, I swear to God, within a year from me doing that every day for 10 minutes, I was, um, being like literally invited and to China, to the Middle East, um, Mm -hmm. to Tibet, all over the country. I started traveling like a fiend. Mm. And it it was amazing. I think magic and all of that magic and tarot and figuring your stuff out can be so simple. Mm -hmm. We make it tough. Yeah. I think think it's interesting, you know. I, I was, whenever people talk about magic, I'm always like, cool, what's the mechanism there, right? What accomplished that, you know? And, you know, like, in, in, in the story you said, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like, well, you know, is that, like, uh, is that like doing devotion work to the idea of travel for long enough that, that something, you know, whatever it was, opened up and granted that to you, you know? Is that, is that aligning your attention to those things that, like, you know, um, started to make that more possible and sort of attaching yourself to those energies and actions and thoughts and stuff that, you know, make that happen, you know, like, like it happens on so many different levels. Right. And I think that, I think that that kind of idea of ongoing continual practice around stuff is really, is really fascinating and actually fits with a lot of what I do. You know, I do a lot of sort of, sigil and art-based magic and you know on the regular i'm making i'm making art sigils art gifts art petitions and giving them to the ancestors or giving them to whatever and i just make them and make them and make them there's a whole pile of them that just sit there with them and some of those are around bigger things or smaller things you know a lot of them are just around like Help me just understand what I what I really want and what I don't want, you know? Help me just be really clear about that. And, you know, and that continuous ongoing attention over, you know, years, it just turns into those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Look, oh, I don't do that anymore. Oh, now I, I do know this. Oh, I have, you know, I have this clarity. Or also, hey, this thing opened up and this happened or that happened or you know, yeah, these opportunities, right? So. And, it, and it's interesting because so, so because, because the impulse to, sit, to seek that out or to create whatever it is that you're creating is already kind of implanted inside you, again, authentically, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about like just being yourself, like a true authentic version of expression of whatever is kind of embedded inside of you. When you make the, when you either, A, I think recognize it in the material world or in nature, or when you um, write 
or paint or also then create it. It's magnifying. I do believe it's magnifying that energy, which wanted to be seen. I, you know, I love this idea that everything on the other side, all of like what's in the invisible world or unyet manifested. I love the idea that it wants you as much as you want it. And not only just the things that you want, but kind of like everything, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're walking through your garden and you can smell a cucumber or rosemary, I feel like it's begging you, like, pay attention to me. Like, mm-hmm. just like clients want to be seen in a tarot reading and they want you to understand them. Yeah, I think yeah. everything in the invisible world wants to get your attention because it wants to be seen because it's exactly like us. We're that, that's us. It's all part and parcel. So um, magic is so inherently, like the magical act is so inherently creative. There's just, I think, such power um, in the recognition and kind of the duality of, of, yeah, of creating it. And that's why it's so crazy and cool when you'll create a piece of art or write something and then like a year later, you're standing inside of it. It's mm. amazing. So cool. <laughs> so takeaway, magic's cool. Go do magic. <laughs> <laughs> Practice magic every day. Do lots of magic. It's the perfect time of year anyway, if you're in the mm-hmm. Northern Hemisphere. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the time. I think it's great. Well, maybe this is a good place to, to leave it with that. Say, hey, go practice magic. And, you know, um, stay, stay in it, stay curious, and, and look at that fear and work on it, you know, because I think that, I think that there, that, that stuff is gateways to all sorts of great possibilities, you know? Yeah. So for people who want to come and follow what you're up to, and of course people should, should do that. Where, where are you hanging out online these days? What's your, what's your social stuff? My, my social sitch. So um, I guess anybody who's interested in seeing what I'm up to can look um, on Instagram. So I think I'm Sasha Tarot Diva, Sasha Graham Tarot Diva. Just Google Sasha Tarot, Sasha Graham Tarot, and like my stuff will come up. But I'm on SashaGraham.com. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram primarily. Those are like my main social hangouts. But um more importantly, and probably something that would be even more interesting to, and helpful to you would be to like, you know, get rather than looking for me online, um, look for my books and my tarot decks um, at independent bookstores, um, support them, um, get a tarot deck to play with, you know, grab one of my books. I promise you like 365 spells or 365 spreads is going to give you so much fun stuff that you can do and play with your cards and like get into. I honestly like social. So like, that's like, you know, a light version, like mm-hmm. get, get one of my, get one of my books, get one of my decks and play. Um, I think that's the best way you can like kind of get a little piece of me. I agree. I agree for sure. Well, and speaking of that, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to go record a bonus episode for people who are supporters of the Patreon, where we're going to get into specifically how to play with your cards to dig in and do a little shadow work. So if you're not already supporting the Patreon, uh, go check it out and uh, start. You're missing out on some fantastic stuff. All right. Thanks for being on today, Sasha. Thanks so much. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I know that uh, I certainly had a lot of fun recording it with Sasha 
if you are a supporter of the Patreon at the $5 or above level, be sure to catch the uh, bonus material, 18 minutes of us talking practical stuff on how to uh, dig in and do some shadow work to get you where you want to go with your life. Uh, and, you know, as always, I appreciate everybody who uh, supports the Patreon. And I also absolutely appreciate everybody who shares this, spreads the word, and helps uh, keep this thing going. All right. I will see you soon. Uh, talk to you then.